Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. If it wasn't for Andrew's teachings, I would never be where I am today. I would never have victory. I would be living a life of defeat. It was Andrew's teaching that allowed me to develop that faith. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Tuesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm continuing to teach through a series, Living in God's Best. The subtitle is Don't Settle for Less, and I've also got CDs and DVDs. The DVDs are taken directly from our TV program. The CDs were taken from a live teaching that I did on this. And I tell you, this has been a powerful subject already. The very first thing that I've tried to do is to establish that God wants to bless you and bring you into His very best for you, more than you want it. And one of the reasons that most people live far below God's best for them is because they are willing to settle for less. I'm just amazed at how we tend to gravitate towards what's the easiest. You know, in some sense, people are like water that always seek the lowest level. I mean, you put water someplace, it's going to go to the lowest level. It's just the law of nature. And it seems to be the law of human nature that we just, you know, sink to the lowest level. What is the minimum it takes for us to accomplish something? And so I use 2 Chronicles 16, 9, where it says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of those who are perfect in his sight. God wants to bless us. His eyes are running to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for someone who will just reach out and receive his best. But we have to cooperate. And I spent a lot of time trying to show that in the area of finances, we don't go for God's best. We go for what's the easiest. We get things quickly, but wind up paying twice for them what they're worth. Uh, in the area of health, we don't depend on it. I also talked about just God's kind of love, that most of us have settled for a cheap imitation of God's kind of love. And we use 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to show what God's kind of love was really like. So what I want to begin to do today is to start showing you two different ways of receiving from God. One is a miracle and the other is a blessing. Now, most people have not necessarily distinguished those, but as we go through this series, I'm going to be defining all of this and showing you that there are, that blessings and miracles are not the same thing at all. They are opposite in many ways. And I'm going to be talking about how that a blessing is actually God's best. Now, that may come as a surprise to people because, you know, spirit-filled people, people that have been in the Word and stuff, they see that there are miracles all throughout the Bible. And I know that there's many people that they just say, man, I believe in God for a miracle. But as I go through this, if you can track with me and follow what I'm saying, I'm going to prove to you that miracles aren't God's best. And that needs a little bit of qualification because if you're in a crisis situation and if the only way out of it is a miracle, that may be God's best for you at the moment. But overall, miracles are not God's best. Let me define some things, what I'm talking about. A miracle, if you were to go to a dictionary, a miracle is a superseding or a suspension of God's natural laws. 
Now, it's important that you understand this. It's not, a miracle is not within the natural laws. You will hear people say that, you know, this is a medical miracle that they came up with some vaccine or they're able to do surgery on a child inside of its mother's womb and do all of these things. And they say it's a miracle. Technically, that is not a miracle. It is not a superseding or a suspension of natural laws. It's working totally within natural laws. Now, it may be outside of the realm of what we once thought possible, but it's not a miracle. It's like television signals. People say, well, it's a miracle that you can just send these signals through the air. No, it's not a miracle. It's all natural. It's all things that God created. Radio signals, television signals, uh, you know, flight to the moon, all of these things, they aren't miracles. They're all natural things. And anytime you violate the natural laws, like I remember the Challenger explosion and stuff, it was because these O-rings, I think is what they called it, some of the seals on the rocket, when it got so cold, they got brittle and they broke and it allowed some of the propellant to escape and the thing blew up and cost our astronauts their life. If you violate those laws, if something gets outside of the normal, it doesn't work properly. A miracle is a superseding or a suspension of natural laws. In contrast to that, and it's going to take me some time to show you this through Scripture, but a blessing is within natural and spiritual laws. It's not only natural laws, but it, there are spiritual laws. Just like in the natural realm, there's gravity, there's thrust, there's lift, there's all these kind of things. In the spiritual world, there are spiritual laws. And I'm going to be talking about this. So this is one of the major differences between a blessing and a miracle, that a miracle is a superseding or a suspension of natural laws, whereas a blessing is working within natural laws and spiritual laws. Now, that's important. It may not make a lot of difference to you right now, but that's a foundation, and I'm going to be building upon it. And I'd like to encourage you to just, you know, track with me. Give me the time to develop this because if you could understand this, it will totally revolutionize the way you receive from God. You know, there was a time in my life where I had to have a miracle nearly every day to survive because I wasn't cooperating with the natural and the spiritual laws. For instance, when I first got called into the ministry, I just had it in my mind that if you were called into the ministry, you were sinning against God if I worked a secular job. I was called to the ministry, so I was going to be full-time in the ministry. I've since come to realize out of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and there's other places, that if you don't work, you don't eat that a minister's financial supply is proportional to the people that he ministers to. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says those that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And the Lord showed me that that's proportional. When my ministry was small and I only had a Bible study with five people in it, I shouldn't expect to live and support a family off of five people that I'm ministering to. When my ministry grew to the point that I literally would have to decrease ministering to people because I had to go work, well, then I could quit my job and then I could live of the ministry. But I didn't understand that at first. And because I was violating some natural and spiritual laws, again, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, I think it's verse 10, says if you don't work, you don't eat. And even though I had heard that scripture, I hadn't applied it to my situation, I thought I was doing the right thing by just being 
committed to God and not working a job. You know, I've always been a hard worker. I don't mind work. I work really hard. When I'm at home, man, I, I work hard. I'm doing stuff now that I couldn't do when I was in my 20s and 30s. I'm working hard. I am not against work. It was not that I had an aversion to work. I just thought I was doing the right thing by being totally committed to the ministry and not working a secular job. So, see, a blessing, you have to cooperate with spiritual laws. And one of the spiritual laws is that if you don't work, you don't eat. It says in Deuteronomy 28 that God will bless the work of your hand. If you don't set your hand unto anything, God can't bless it. A hundred times zero is zero. And because I wasn't working, we struggled financially, and I had to have a miracle to live because I wasn't cooperating in the blessing. I wasn't cooperating with spiritual and natural laws, and so I had to have a miracle, something that superseded natural laws. And because God loved me and God was patient with me, I mean, we had miracle after miracle after miracle. I actually had my car run out of gas. I was headed to Christ for the Nations Institute uh, to hear a preacher preach on prosperity. That was ironic. And I was so poor that we didn't have enough gas, and I ran out of gas on the way there. And I, I mean, we were desperate, and we didn't have any alternative. When I say I didn't have any money, it's not like we had a credit card. There was zero credit card. There was no bank account. I didn't have uh, any way to get any money. And I mean, literally, we laid hands on our car, and we drove that car for nearly a week after it had run out of gas, and that was a miracle. That is not normal, but it worked. That same car, I didn't have enough money to put antifreeze in it, and so we, the block cracked, and you could see the crack in the block, and the water leaked out of that engine, and yet we didn't have any alternative, and man, I just laid hands on it, and I drove that car for nearly a year with a cracked block. I saw miracle after miracle. We didn't have food, and we would hear the doorbell ring. We'd go to the doorbell, and there'd be a sack full of groceries. And I mean, nobody had time to run away, and yet I couldn't see anybody. I don't know how it got there. You know, it was a miracle. It was just a... I didn't minister to people. It wasn't because I was touching their lives, and therefore I was receiving back seed that I'd sown. It was God would just miraculously send us supply. And even though that was exciting in a way... And it was wonderful. I remember many years later, I was driving here in Colorado and I was praying as I was driving. And I was thinking, Lord, I used to have, a, have to have a miracle every day in order to eat. I was thinking about the times that my car ran without gas in it and that, you know, the block was cracked and I still was able to drive it. And I said, I hadn't seen miracles like that in decades. And I was beginning to feel like, is something wrong? Am I not, you know, operating in faith the way I was then? And as I was meditating on this, the Lord just spoke to me and he says, would you like to go back to those days where you don't have enough gas and you have to run the car on empty? Do you want to go back to the days that if you have something wrong with your car that you have to lay hands on it and pray? Do you want to go back to the days where you have the doorbell ring and food just appears? And I said, no, sir, I don't. And I begin to see that now I'm not operating in the miracle anymore. I've learned some natural and spiritual laws, and I am prosperous now to the point that if I want to eat, I can go get anything I want to eat. If my car needs gas, I can put gas in it. If my car is broken, I can go get it fixed, or I can get me a new car. See, that's the difference between a miracle and a blessing.
I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll just say this and then I'll come back and explain it later. But a miracle will never be as an abundant as a blessing. A miracle is only temporary and a miracle demands that you have a crisis before you can have a miracle, whereas a blessing will prevent a crisis. Boy, that is huge right there if you understood this. Let me turn over to Genesis chapter 1. And there's all through Genesis chapter 1, it talks about how God created everything. And I'm not going to go through and read every one of these, but it says that God saw these things and it was good. And finally, it comes down here to the end of this chapter. And in verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. You know, when it says very good, uh, in my estimation, that is a gross understatement. It was perfect. And I don't have a scripture that I can show you this from directly, but I really believe this. I've meditated on this, that I believe God could have spent eons, untold number of years meditating on creation and thinking it through before he actually spoke it and it happened. And I say that on uh, for many reasons, but I know that, you know, I create things, I build things, and I, I'm building buildings right now for our Bible college. And you don't just go and start throwing material together. You have to plan it. You have to think it through. They anticipate all of these things. And it takes effort to build a building. How much more? to build a world and a universe, even down to the subatomic particles. I believe that God thought, thought all of this through. And not only the original creation, but He also thought about how that someday we would sin and we would plunge this whole world into chaos. And He even planned how to make it work in a fallen state. Again, I, I think this is really important to me. Not many people seem to follow the same thinking that I have on this, but it is so important to me that God thought through everything about our bodies, about this universe, about everything that it takes to make it work. And he spent lots of time now because he is so intelligent, it may not have been as you know long as it would take mankind to think things through, but still there was a lot of thought, a lot of effort put into it before he spoke it into existence. So when it says that everything he looked at was good, that was really a gross understatement. It was perfect. It was a perfect climate. Everything was perfect. The world was revolving at the exact right time. It's the exact right distance from the sun. Any closer, we'd be too hot. Any further away, we'd be too cold. The Lord just thought through everything. It was perfect. And the reason I'm making this point is to say that God created this earth to be friendly to us. He created everything we would ever need. He didn't wait until Adam and Eve got hungry. And then they said, God, I'm hungry. And he said, oh, well, let me create you something to eat. No, he anticipated their need and he created the supply before they ever had the need. He didn't wait until they needed to breathe and then say, oh, well, let me create you air. No, he had anticipated that. He didn't create the climate after they were there and he adjusted it and turned it. No, he anticipated and thought everything through. It was perfect. And did you know that in the original creation, there was no need for a miracle, a superseding or a suspension of natural laws? 
because He created all of the natural laws to be user-friendly, to be what we needed. There was nothing wrong. Everything was perfect. And so, God does not supersede or suspend natural laws except in a crisis situation. Let's just say that somebody was falling off of a building and gravity is pulling them to the ground and they are going to die on impact. You know, if God was just to, every time something like that happens, he suspends gravity because he doesn't want that person to crash and kill them. Well, then all of the other people who are driving on roads and gravity is suspended, they'd fly off the roads. All kinds of things would happen. You know what? He created these laws and he is not going to supersede one of these laws unless it is in a crisis situation, something supernatural. Like when Peter walked on water, the 14th chapter of the book of Matthew. Did you know that's not normal? Now, if water was frozen, you could walk on ice, but you can't walk on liquid water. That is against natural law. But they were in a crisis situation and Jesus was there and Peter said, if that's you, bid me come unto you on the water. And he suspended or superseded. I don't even know how it happened, but somehow miraculously, Peter was able to walk on water. But that's not normal. Did you know a miracle, you can't get a handle on a miracle. For instance, I believe that Peter walked on the water just exactly the way the Scripture says. I believe that Jesus walked on the water. But did you know that there's no other instance in Scripture of that ever happening to anybody else? And I don't think that you can just sit there and do it. It's not like it is something physical, natural. It is a supernatural thing, and you can't get a handle on it and make it happen. I actually had a friend of mine, Rick Renner, who told about you know, meditating on Matthew chapter 14 and he called some friends over and got dressed up in a suit and shoes and everything and he was going to demonstrate how he could walk on water. And of course, he plopped right down in the swimming pool. It didn't work. And you know what? You just can't make a miracle happen. Now, you can position yourself for a miracle. There, You can believe God in a crisis situation and you can have a miracle. But miracles... I don't even know the right way to say this, but miracles are few and far between. They are kind of at God's discretion. But a blessing, on the other hand, is something that God has already provided. It's something that God has already done, and it is at your command. You can make blessings manifest. Boy, that's huge right there. And so if you understood that one thing right here, this would show you blessings and miracles are two separate ways from receiving from God. And a person who is going to live from miracle to miracle is a person who you can't control that. It'll be up and down and you will never know. But a blessing, once you start the blessing in process, it is something that you can absolutely control. Now, it's God's power I'm not saying that you're doing the blessings through your own ability, but once the blessing is given, it's at your disposal. You're the one who commands it. You're the one who releases it. And you're also the only one that can stop it. Satan can't stop it. God will not stop it. It is totally up to you. So you can live a blessed life. I'm going to teach you how to live in the blessing and how you can make healing manifest, prosperity manifest, joy manifest, all kinds of things. But you know what? Miracles, I can teach you that God does them. I can teach you 
how to stand and believe and trust God, but I can't make a miracle happen. I can make a blessing happen. I, you know, here's another example of this. Like in the area of healing, you can be healed supernaturally. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'll just say this and then I'm going to try and get back on track. But you know, there are laws about how our body works. If you're 100 pounds overweight, did you know that you're violating natural laws and spiritual laws? The scripture says that we're supposed to glorify God in whatever we do, whatever we eat or drink, we're supposed to do it to the glory of God. A person that is 100 pounds overweight is not obeying natural laws and spiritual laws. And so you are not going to get healed through a blessing if you are abusing your body and aren't in shape. But does that mean that God doesn't love you? No, you could still be healed, but it's going to be a miracle. It's going to be in spite of the things you're doing. If you're 100 pounds overweight, that tends towards sugar diabetes, that tends towards heart problems, that tends towards problems with your feet and your knees and on and on, and you're going to have these problems. Does that mean that you cannot be healed? No, but it'll take a miracle. It's going to have to be something beyond just the natural because you're violating natural laws. But if you are following the natural laws and if you are taking care of yourself, it doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but if you are disciplined and relatively healthy and stuff like that, you can receive healing just through uh, cooperating, doing the right things physically. And then there's spiritual things that enter into your healing, honoring your parents. A merry heart does good like a medicine. The word of God is health to all of your flesh, life to those that find it and on and on. I'm going to teach on this in more detail. But when you do that, you can literally walk in health and it's not a miracle. It's just a blessing. You're cooperating in the natural and with spiritual laws and healing belongs to us. But you could sit here and violate these things, put yourself in poor health. That doesn't mean you're automatically going to die. God could do a miracle. But the problem with a miracle is it's not going to be permanent. A miracle is a temporary. It's the suspending or superseding of natural laws. And God is not going to suspend his natural and spiritual laws indefinitely. Again, he created these things and he looked at them and he says, it's good. God wants us to learn to cooperate. You know, I believe that all things are possible to him that believes. You could walk off a building and I believe that, you know, you could somehow or another float. I've never seen it happen. I've not read about it, but I do know that Jesus was caught up into the clouds. I don't know how that happened. I don't guess gravity's suspending, but somehow God caught him up in the clouds. Elijah was caught up into heaven. I believe it can happen, but it's probably not going to happen to you or to me because that is a superseding and a suspension of natural laws. And God isn't going to do it just on a whim, just because you want to try it out and see if it'll work. There would have to be some kind of a crisis, emergency situation or something for this to happen. You can't depend on a miracle like that. But you know what? You can depend on gravity. That's something that God created and you can learn to cooperate with it and gravity will actually help you instead of hurt you. If you believe that God has been telling you to come to Karis Bible College, Campus Days is the perfect opportunity to see what it's really like. All it takes is one word from God to totally, totally, totally change your life. Did you know if you have a desire to be here, you've already got a word from God. 
If God has spoken to you, you've delighted yourself in the Lord, He's given you the desires of your heart, then you start moving. At Karis Bible College, all kinds of people are discovering God's love and the purpose He has for them. If God is calling you, come to Campus Days. You know, the Lord has given me a huge vision and we've been blessed up to this point, but I've still got so much that God's leading me to do. I'm believing God for 10,000 new partners. We've already got over $120 million worth of buildings in just the last nine years, but I've got at least $100 million worth, maybe $200 million worth of buildings still in my heart for our students, for an activity center. We've got a new student housing that we've got a preliminary drawing of that is showing you a little idea of what it would look like. This one would house about 120 people. Our others are gonna be smaller with maybe somewhere around 40 people per dorm, but we need this student housing and we need people to become partners. I'm believing for 10,000 new partners. I would ask you to pray about it, and if the Lord says so, join with us and help us change people's lives through Karis Bible College. Today you can get Andrew's teaching, Living in God's Best, in a hardback book for a gift of any amount when you contact us. I like to encourage you to get these materials that I'm offering. I've got this hardcover book on living in God's best. We've got a study guide, which is 475 pages. And this is specifically designed so that you can disciple other people in this. We've also got this book in Spanish. We've got a series that was recorded live, and then we have a CD set and a DVD set. But I tell you, this teaching on living in God's best is absolutely life-changing if you will listen to it and then heed it and act on it. So please check it out today. Andrew's entire series, Living in God's Best, is available as a book in either English or Spanish, as a DVD album made from our daily television broadcast, or as a CD or DVD album recorded live from a Gospel Truth seminar. You can also get this teaching as a companion study guide. The study guide will deepen your personal understanding and is perfect for home groups or Sunday schools. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get this teaching. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or you can call our helpline at 719-635-1111. Our helpline is open Monday through Friday, 24 hours a day, and Saturday and Sunday from 7.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Mountain Time. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today.
I want to let you know that we have now started a Karis Daily Live Bible Study. We've been doing a Bible study every Tuesday night live for about two years, but now we have five days a week. We've varied the times so that we can accommodate anybody's schedule, and it's going to really be good. We're going to use our instructors from the school, and it'll be a blessing. So remember, we now have a Karis Daily Live Bible Study five days a week. Bring Keras with you wherever you go with our new Keras app. Free to download, the Keras app allows you to easily access everything Keras Bible College has to offer in one place. Receive exclusive grace content and explore unique Keras features. Download your app today.